Welcome to the Freaking Geeks Podcast, the flagship podcast of Freaking Geeks Media. In this podcast, hosts Michael, Sarah, and Barry crank the geekiness to 11, covering everything from movies and television to pop culture, video games, books, and so much more. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The podcast is produced each week, so feel free to add us to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. The links will be in the show notes. Okay, now it's time to start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and with me is my co-host, Jacob. Hello. All right, Jacob. So we are doing Infinity, not Infinity War. We are doing Age of Ultron, and uh, I just did Avengers last night. So this lines up perfectly, you know, going right into this one. And uh, I, let's see, I watched this about three weeks ago, I think. And uh, I sat down and, and made my notes. And as I was making my notes, I thought, you know, I just, I've only watched this movie like three times since it was in the movie theater. <laughs> and one of them was three weeks ago. And it kind of makes me a little depressed thinking about it, actually. Yeah. Um, it's unfortunate, but uh, it is a movie that is, uh, it's got its moments, but there's definitely a lot to talk about, a lot of downsides to uh, Age of Ultron. But we did Avengers last night, Sarah and I. The only movie we didn't manage to review, because we've had, you know, anybody that's been following us, uh, we've been doing this this long, you know, binge of Marvel movies leading up to Endgame. So the goal was all the movies that we didn't manage to review in the last, you know, few years because you know we started doing this a few years ago, what two thousand, I believe, sixteen. And there's a lot of movies that have come out prior to that. A lot of Marvel movies we didn't get to them before. So now it's like, okay, we got to hurry up. We need to get all these reviews out. So if anybody wants to listen to the reviews reviews before we go into Endgame, we'll have them available. But Here's the problem. Uh, it's a lot of movies to review. And the only one that we didn't manage to review, and I'm not kidding, is uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. It's the only one that we're not going to be able to get out before Endgame rolls around. So uh, sorry for that. <laughs> uh, sad, but true. And it's also one of the best MCU movies. So that's another thing that makes me a little sad is we couldn't get that review out. But it's just going to have to come after Endgame. So, all right, uh, let's uh, jump into talking about this movie, and we'll start out with the rundown. So, uh, The Avengers uh, Age of Ultron was released on May 1st, 2015. It was written and directed by Joss Whedon with a runtime of two hours and 21 minutes, a budget of $250 million, box office return of $459 million domestic. 946.3 946.3 million foreign for a grand total of 1.4 billion dollars. Cast is Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson, Chris Hemsworth, Mark Ruffalo, Jeremy Renner, Samuel Jackson, James Spader, among many others. <laughs> a lot of people uh, in this movie uh, and, and far more people that I want to name off. So those are just some of the, the main players right there. But there are plenty of others. All right. Uh, let's uh, do 
the plot synopsis. So, when Tony Stark and Bruce Banner try to jumpstart a dormant peacekeeping program called Ultron, things go horribly wrong, and it's up to Earth's mightiest heroes to stop the villainous Ultron from enacting his terrible plan. All right, Jacob, give me your one-sentence review for uh, Avengers Age of Ultron. Uh, I have Avengers Age of Ultron. It's a very lighthearted movie with some great visuals and action scenes, but ultimately tries to pull too many threads with when dealing with different storylines. Okay. Uh, mine is uh, due to some unfortunate bloat and a mediocre villain, Avengers Age of Ultron ends up being a pretty mess. All right. So obviously, if, as you can tell, that uh, <laughs> that's the kind of boiled down uh, views of each one of the reviewers in this episode. So uh, hopefully you'll stick around and listen to the rest of our opinions here on the movie as we break these down a little more, all of our uh, thoughts and opinions. So uh, let's start out with the script. Jacob, what did you like about the script for Age of Ultron? Um, I, I did really like some of the... Uh the decisions they made with some of the character interactions. Um, I, I really enjoyed, uh, Jeremy Renner, uh, like Hawkeye in this and his interaction, but trying to kind of being the, the mentor esque character for, uh, Scarlet, Witch uh, a little bit and kind of being that voice of reason for her and being like throughout and like trying to get, I don't know. He seemed like the very sensible one in contrast to some of the others, which is really interesting considering he's the, what, one of two that really has kind of the underwhelming skill set of the Avengers. Yeah. Uh, he's like, so he's like, like the afterthought good. superhero. Kind of, yeah. But like, I really liked how much time he got in this because it was very much... It was kind of playing up his strength a little bit. It's like the fact that he is that underwhelming ability set. He has to keep that level ahead and he has to keep that uh, mentality and, and still be able to make the jokes that he has and kind of going into his family life and like why what he's got going on. Because like you said, normally he's just an afterthought. But in this one, they it was nice to kind of see him get a little bit of the spotlight. Okay. Uh, and then like some of the other character interactions, like and decisions they made. I not really the biggest fan of the Scarlet Witch black or not Scarlet, Witch, uh, black widow. Uh, for some odd reason, I always mistake and call her <laughs> start with her na actual name in real life. And I always, yeah, you mix them two together. They're like, yeah, this, this, this. I always do. <laughs> and it bothers me because I always realize after the fact, uh, the black widow Hulk, interactions i don't mind the black widow banner interactions i just the sun's getting low yeah yeah I can, like I can... ragnarok makes fun of it for good reason it is a really trite thing to have in it i feel like um but a lot of the different interactions uh between the characters were really well done and really entertaining like i love seeing bruce and tony doing some doing science things like we finally we get some more of that and that was really cool um so like it was a lot of really good character interactions in the script and then there were some clearly not so good 
Well, uh, for me, I think the stuff that really works uh, is well. Okay, so the beginning to this movie is fantastic. The initial, oh. the initial assault to get uh, Loki's uh, the scepter back, you know, with the stone. Uh, that is great. Um, it, first off, I think the way it's photographed, the way it's shot, is just phenomenal. It, it's it's a fantastic way to open up the movie. First off, because you're opening it up in the middle of an action sequence, so already. As a viewer, you're just like, wow, we're really going into it. Great. Fantastic. I love it. And it works. It's like a 10-minute scene or so, roughly. And then after that, we get a scene of everybody kind of just partying, having having a good time, having a big bash, sitting around, drinking, you know, things like that. And then they, they try to lift Thor's hammer and, and that that's all great. And that is that is a that's a Joss Whedon special right there. Oh, I mean, yeah. you know a Joss Whedon scene when you see one, especially like this. I mean, the farm scene, this scene, there's there's a there's a well, obviously he wrote the script, so there's a bunch of others, but there's like quintessential Joss Whedon, and you know it when you see it. And it it they work. So the opening to this really is fantastic. That scene, great. Another thing that I do like, there's is a downside to it, and I'll get to it, but uh so it's kind of like a it both there's a moment in this movie early on that I both love and I hate for different reasons. Uh so let's talk about Tony accidentally creating Ultron. So the hubris of Tony Stark, which is one of his negative character traits. Uh Tony is so smart, he's so intelligent that at times he thinks he's too he's so smart. He actually buys into how smart he is to the point where Rather than red flags going up, he just kind of rushes ahead when he comes up with an idea without thinking of the consequences. The hubris and what comes out of that hubris ends up being Ultron. That's all great. Love it. Okay. Um, a lot of the the stuff, like I said, the the stuff with the farm. The farm is like maybe the best scene in the entire movie. It's also one of the scenes that's tasked with a coming up with. Uh, laying the groundwork for the Civil War, starting to see uh, Tony and uh, Captain America already beginning to argue. You can start seeing, start to see the differences in their personalities. What, which I mentioned, you you saw that in Avengers. Yeah, last night when I was talking, you know, you can see that in the Avengers movie, like Cap and Tony kind of have a little bit of a I don't really like you all that much kind of thing going on even there but here it's different because they start actually arguing about uh you know ideas and where they kind of fall on one side or the other and their viewpoints on specific issues and they're kind of laying the groundwork for civil war great fantastic there are scenes in this movie where Whedon is able to both set the groundwork for future movies also let the scene work for the for this movie itself and when he does that and he's able to kind of balance each it's so good and the farm scene is probably the epitome of that okay now we're going to get to some of the downsides here because we'll get to that some other scenes that uh don't work both in this movie and for future movies um and i i, I don't know is that it? I mean, it's, you know, a lot of the character interactions, really. I mean, that's the stuff that works the most. Uh, yeah. 
But let's get to the downsides. And I'm going to bring up one downside of Inticular and get your uh, take on it. Um, Tony Stark is an idiot. <laughs> Uh, okay, no, 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 I mean, look, let me put it, let me, let me kind of lay out. Okay, so the, here's the here's the problem, and I kind of alluded to it earlier. Having a character's hubris end up creating a monster is something that we've seen ad nauseum for decades. I mean, go back to Frankenstein. Frankenstein is the the quintessential, the initial hubris creating a monster, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I can bring someone back to life. Okay, sure, let's do it. And then, oh, he comes back to life. Oh, he's not, you know, he's not a good creature. He he can destroy, he can kill. So we've seen this for decades. We've seen this for many years through, through obviously through film, through TV, through books. The problem here is that although I do buy the hubris from Tony, it frustrates the hell out of me because – you take a stone and you're like, oh, it hey, hey, it has some uh some some intelligence. So wow, why don't we just use this intelligence to create, you know, take this program, marry the intelligence to it, and then we can create this fleet of of uh, robots to defend the earth. Yeah, it's it's a fantastic concept, you know, in the broad strokes. It it works. I understand why Tony wants to do it. The problem is that. Tony is smart enough to think far enough ahead. Like, oh, hey, I don't know anything about this intelligence. How smart is it? Uh, you know, all these different things. He's just – and they warn him. I and mean, I think Bruce even says maybe this isn't the best idea. So even Bruce Bruce is the, the good angel on his shoulder saying, you may want to pull back a little bit here. This doesn't sound like it's the way to go. And yet Tony does it. Because he doesn't think of the, the possible consequences. He doesn't think you know, through what he's doing. He's just saying – it's like seeing a, a technology that you've never seen before, grabbing it and just starting to use it without thinking of what the consequences might be. And that's part of the problem is that I love Tony as a character. I love that he has faults. But I don't like that the creation of Ultron – was in part because Tony, Tony's hubris and his lack of thought, forethought as to what the consequences of messing with an AI that is beyond, way beyond anything that we have capable here, technology-wise on Earth, that that might be a good idea to mess with. So what do you think about that? I can understand your reasoning behind that. With me, though, I wouldn't say it wasn't as much, I don't know, I thought of it as more of a sense of his fear kind of blinded him to the concern. Because of the characters, he's the one that actually went through that portal in Avengers, so he kind of got to see the face of the threat. He... He kind of got to see a little bit more than all of the others, and the fact that Scarlet Witch did kind of screw with his head <clears throat> at the beginning of this. So it really kind of, I don't know. It, it's to me, it was more on top of the hubris he already had, combined with the sheer amount of fear that he had as well, <clears throat> just made it to where he's 
He knows he can do something great. He's afraid that if he doesn't, something bad's going to happen. So he's trying to just do whatever he can with his intelligence, despite the consequences more so. And not necessarily like it, it is very, also very clear. He considers himself when it comes to technology in this sense, unlike the situation that they're dealing with, you can tell he also definitely finds himself more intelligent than Bruce on the subject because it's a lot more technologically advanced while Bruce seems a little bit more on the uh, it was a, uh, the nuclear physics and a few other things, that, but a less technological basis. So I feel like he just he's taking Bruce's thoughts and comments as a scientist that doesn't seem to know much about it. Yeah. So I think that might be why he's kind of not really taking Bruce's comment of like, maybe we shouldn't do this. So I don't know. I, I, I think it's a lot to do with the fear that he has. Okay. I mean, that's a, I can see your point. Uh, I guess I just, it, it's like they, to me, it just, they took Tony who should be smart enough to know that what he's dealing with is beyond even his grasp, really. And when you start giving, you know, AI, you know, more freedom, then you open yourself up to Skynet. <laughs> you know, I mean, seriously, I mean, is, is Ultron really just Skynet? I mean, you could make an argument for it, really. Uh, it, it basically is an AI it's just that it ends up creating a body for itself and now it wants to kill. And that's basically the Terminator. More or less. I was thinking more on point with Brainiac. Or, or that. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Sure. Uh, all right. So here's another question for you. Um, one of the other problems that I had with this movie, and it's it's one of the things that the Avengers does not have, and that is the idea that we have to spend all of this time setting up other movies. Now, I did mention on my one of my positives that I thought that the farm scene, one of the great things about that scene, and some people have commented that, first off, that the farm scene slows down the momentum. It probably does. But then I would also argue that in this movie that's so overstuffed with scenes that have little or nothing to do with this movie in particular – the farm mm -hmm. scene is one of the few scenes that really places character and character progression over the mechanics of the plot. But there are a lot of other scenes in this movie that are meant to do little more than just set up characters for future movies. So Ulysses S. Claw, right? Was he yeah. did, did he really need to be in this movie? Not really. Not no. really. I mean, you could cut him out of this movie and I honestly don't think it would have mattered one bit. Or how about the Thor pull scene? <laughs> uh, that that's like infamous, you know. For oh, yeah. hey, you know the 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 what he sees doesn't actually end up happening. You know, like what he sees in his vision. I mean, it, it's not what ultimately happens if you look forward. You know, in the future installments. So there's that, and then. Um, you know, you have what some other 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 scenes here that are simply meant Black to Black Widow. Black Widow, which I, again, I don't know whether that was just 
you know, hey, we might be doing a movie with her, so let's set this up, or whether that was a Whedon scene that he thought that the character needed. But the problem is just that there was a lot of time spent, I would say, I would say there's probably about 20 to 25 minutes of this movie that felt more about setup for future installments as opposed to scenes that we needed in this movie uh, that had little impact on the plot. And that's where the bloat comes in for me. Because if you look back at the Avengers, the Avengers, as far as I can recall, and look, I just saw that a few weeks ago, there isn't much fat on that movie at all. It, no. It's it's a movie that has a very basic plot, right? It's not going to you know blow your brain or anything. It's not a complicated plot, but it's so well done. And so much of the movie is dedicated towards bringing these characters together and then watching what happens when you bring these, you know, these characters with their different personalities together. What conflicts do they end up uh, getting into? You know, because you have someone like, say, Bruce and Tony who get along so well, but then some people that don't get along so well in the group. And then you get into arguments and fights, and that works so well. And we get some of that in this movie. There is There are positives here. There is a, a lot of great character work here to be done, but it's the bloat that brings it down. So, so Jacob, what do you think about the bloat that's in this movie? Do you agree that there are you know, these setup scenes for future installments that just don't really need to be here? Oh, yeah. No, I agree wholeheartedly. And that's that's one of my biggest issues with it is like there's a lot of stuff that just seems absolutely unnecessary that if if you really wanted it to be the a certain time and length for the movie we could have taken that time and dedicated it more to something a little bit better like say making ultron a more intimidating villain which that's another one of my my cons yeah like like the black widow background scene that we still haven't gotten a movie for we might be like i think there's been talks that we're gonna get one we are yeah I don't, oh yeah casting has already happened yeah yep. yeah Cast. so it's yep. only what like five years later that we finally hear that we're gonna get one like that's people aren't gonna remember that no. flashback no. like unless they watch this right beforehand no one no one is gonna remember that it was so unnecessary and so ridiculous i just yeah like it could have been that time could have been dedicated to making Ultron more intimidating. And I never, I never thought I never found him intimidating. I never found him frightening. No. I found yeah, him. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, it's one of my problems with Joss Whedon is he all he's he tries to make everything funny. Yeah, too much so sometimes. And the thing with Ultron is he wasn't the one thing that was intimidating and were kind of like all right, that was pretty cool. Was when he like forced his way through an old version of himself that was it yeah everything else was like for lack of a better way to say it it was just james spader being james spader yeah i mean look i like james spader as an actor i do think that he was a great voice for ultron um i i just think ultron's actions felt very they felt very antiquated I mean, if, if Ultron had the capability of messing with any technology on the planet, why don't you just shut down the power grid? Why don't you just shut down pretty much all te- all technology? I mean, don't just yeah. go after the we- the web missile systems. Like, you can do a lot of damage 
around the world, really. And he could have found a lot of different ways for being the supreme intelligence, this AI. You could have found a way easily, much easier to destroy humanity than the actions that he took here. Um, he felt like a Bond villain. <laughs> kind of, yeah. In like a lot of ways. He, the, he, decisions he made made no sense. Mm -hmm. Like, like you're saying, like he these potential directions he could have gone, like he can literally live in any technology. Yeah, he's trying to make a perfect body for himself. I mean, I guess that's the 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 Tony Stark aspect. I mean, he he does have a lot of arrogance as a character because he is part Tony in a lot of ways, as well as Jarvis. So, yeah, you know. that was another thing in direction for this. I didn't quite enjoy. It, it was basically like his idea for making the body was literally just another plot point to make another character. Like yeah. it wasn't for anything legitimate. It was the decision made just so we could get a uh, vision. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I mean, there's, a, I mean, there's just, there's a lot here. And I mean, I know it sounds like we're just, you know, destroying this movie, but you know, <laughs> like some of these are just our opinions, you know, yeah. like things that we don't necessarily agree with. Like, like, yes, Ultron could have done things differently and achieved the same goal. That's not a plot hole. That's just, our opinion as to ways yeah. in which he could have done things better, but fine, he didn't. But look, Ultron is no Loki, right? If yeah. Loki, Loki was the first great villain in the MCU, and he's no Loki. Uh, he's not nearly as you know. Loki was always funny, but there was always this underneath it. Loki was a dangerous, poisonous rattlesnake. You know, like given that he'll pretty much turn on. Thor at any moment for any reason you always knew that to fear Loki because he was always capable of doing something for his own selfish interests whereas I just don't I mean Ultron has these nefarious schemes I just don't I don't fear Ultron at all in this movie yeah. um all right so let's talk about how and and this isn't really something that applies as much now but it definitely did in this movie uh Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch suck <laughs> and 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 those um Russian accents are horrible. Oh my god. They They're are so bad. Horrible. Yeah. Uh, that's why Scarlet Witch doesn't have a Russian accent anymore. Remember those days? Because I watched this movie a few weeks ago and yeah. I thought, oh yeah, that's right. She did have a Russian accent. And it it's just it was bad. It was so bad. But you know, apart from those accents, um, and Aaron Taylor Johnson and Elizabeth Olsen, they're good actors. And oh, yeah. they definitely do what they can here. But it's it's not the acting so much that I have a problem with. It's just the characters. And in a lot of ways, like I said, I can see the reason that you want Scarlet Witch here. Because she's going to factor into Vision and everything later on down the line. And given what happens in Infinity War. Quicksilver yeah. to me was just a character there specifically to die. To just so, so that Joss Whedon could say, "Hey, I killed somebody." You yeah. know, there's actual stakes in these movies. People do die, and um, and it, it, I thought, you know, it, it's pretty bad when you kill off a character you just introduced like an hour and a half ago. You know, like wow, that really hit me emotionally. You know, I really was really invested in Quicksilver. Yeah. So. Well, and it also makes it really rough when you think about 
these characters from the comic books. They're X-Men. Yeah. Comic uh, characters. Mm -hmm. They're kids of Magneto yet. And that plays a very key character development for them in the comics. Yet you can't delve into that because that the X-Men at the time was not owned by Marvel. So it makes it really difficult trying to introduce these characters, especially Quicksilver when people can see at the time Quicksilver was in another set of movies and a completely different actor that was significantly better. Yeah. Like it just, it makes it, it, it always kind of baffled me that they, that this decision was made to introduce these two characters, even with the whole vision thing down the line for infinity war, whatever. But like to introduce both of them in that sense really kind of irked me because it's like you're literally you're 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 walking into a fight with both hands tied behind your back, basically. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what happened here, like these with these two characters. So it's like the way they're going to be developed in any sort of quality manner. Yeah, it uh, it's a problem. It is a real problem here. Um... I didn't really like the characters all that much. Scarlet Witch has grown on me, but I guess that's what's mostly because she has stuck around long enough to actually develop some kind of, you know, Character. actual three dimensionality. Uh, Quicksilver again was just—he was a red shirt. That's what I look at him like. He's just a red shirt, and that leads yeah. me to this: way too many characters. Yeah. Way too many. I mean, it's not just the main characters. It's not just Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. It's leftovers from past movies. You know, Abomination and uh, other characters. It, like, do you understand? Like, that there's just too many characters here. I'm oh sorry, yeah. I'm sorry, not, not not Abomination. What am I thinking? No. Yeah. Uh, but no, no, just way too many characters here. That um, it cont contributes to the bloat. It, it's a problem. Uh, it's a two hour and twenty one minute runtime. It's two minutes shy of the Avengers movie, uh, the the first one. So. They're pretty much the same runtime, but the plot itself, while not incredibly complex, it's enough that it takes these characters in a lot more different places. But because the movie also has to deal with all these setup scenes for future movies, it gives these characters less time to really make an impact and less time for the plot to really move forward. And then on top of that, you add in all these extra characters that you have to pay attention to. And now it's like having enough butter to, to spread on one piece of bread, but now you're trying to spread it on two and it just does not work well in this movie. Um, in the Avengers, we knew where to focus his energies and to not make the plot and everything so complex that it took away from the character work that he wanted to, you know, put on screen. Here, he doesn't have that option. And yeah. uh, Joss Whedon dealt with a lot of studio interference. Uh, I know one of the things they said was uh, either do the, the pull scene with Thor or you don't get your uh, farm scene that you want so much. And... So that's just one example, but from everything that I've read, everything that I've heard, he dealt with a significant amount of battle 
uh, of issues where he battled the studio and it was just contentious all throughout the shoot, which is crazy to me. And I hate that. It happens all the time where you have directors that will come out and they'll give you an amazing movie. And then everyone's like, hey, let's do a sequel. Okay. But then now that we've established this fantastic cultural defining movie, and obviously a lot of that credit needs to go to you since you did it, you wrote the script, you directed it, all this stuff. Now, however, we're going to jump in and tell you what you can and cannot do. It's probably one of the most asinine, frustrating things that I've I've ever, you know, well, I've never encountered it, but you know, read about because it doesn't make any sense. It's counterintuitive. You would think that if anything, there would be more studio interference on the first one, but now that there, it's a success. There's actual stakes involved, so now they really want to make sure this is you know, quote unquote, done right. And uh, what you end up getting is an inferior product because there's too many cooks in the kitchen. And I think that's another thing that happened here, and that's I think another downside to this movie is you can tell there's just. Too many people behind the scenes saying, you can do this, you can't do this, you have to do this. I know you don't want to do this, but you have to do this. And Whedon just sighing in frustration and saying, whatever, fine, just get off my set so I can shoot this scene. And it's got to be a very tough thing to deal with as a director on top of just the pressure that you have on your shoulders from having directed a movie that made $1.5 billion. So there's that. So what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. It is, it's one of the things that I'm glad they learned to stop doing. Yeah. <laughs> stop interfering with the directors. You pick them to come on and do this. Like the, I'm, I'm glad they finally freaking learned, but it, I feel like it came with a couple of very, very inferior movies that could have been significantly better. Imagine if this was not, done in such a way it probably would have made even more money like i don't know it's hard to say but and we'll never know because the studio involvement and it's it's a thing and like whether people want to admit it or not it was a thing in marvel and it's a thing in a lot of other studios too like whether they want to admit it or not it's a very common practice and it is very infuriating because that's one that's the job of the director is to kind of come up with some of these very interesting ways to to direct the movie and basically they're a figurehead if with studio involvement yeah in such a way so it's kind of defeats the purpose to me yeah uh all right, so I think we've we've beat that that horse <laughs> quite a bit. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I think we've all come to the agreement that it, you know, there's a lot of humor. It is funny. Uh, there's a there's still a good amount of good character moments and you know discussions and dialogue, and it's all Joss Whedon. So it's like it feels like we're just you know destroying this movie left and right, but it's really just pointing out how inferior it is to the original Avengers script in part because you know things that Whedon had to do maybe he didn't want to do and just the fact that this movie to a degree is just isn't this isn't as um strong you know the the uh, villain isn't as strong Loki is obviously a much better villain because it's Loki and Ultron could have been a great villain he just ended up being meh 
He's like he's like mid level. He's he's mediocre. He he's not the worst villain by far, uh, but he's definitely not up there with the Loki's and the Thanos and uh, some of the other villains in the MCU that have managed to be good. Um, so in the action sequences, great, fine, wonderful. But at the end of the day, it's not as good. It's not the same. So uh, let's start giving our grades here for the script. So Jacob, what is your grade for this script? I gave it a 70. Okay. You gave it a 70. I gave it a 71. So it looks like we're pretty much online in line there. Uh, grade wise, which means our overall grade is a 70. Uh, that's probably in line, I think, with where this is. It's it's not a bad script. It's just not a great script. It's um it's about where it's in. it's maybe mediocre, maybe just a just a, a hair or two over mediocre. You know, maybe the positives just outweigh the negatives, kind of thing. You know, there is a lot of good stuff here, just a, enough bad stuff that it really drags down the overall quality of the film from a script yeah. level. All right, let's move on to acting. And uh, acting for me here, uh, you know, I said this in the Avengers last night, and I'll say it here. I don't think the acting is quite as good as the Avengers movie, and that has nothing to do with the main cast. I do think that while Elizabeth Olsen and Aaron, Aaron Taylor Johnson are good actors, maybe it's just because this is their first go around here, and well, in, in Aaron, Aaron Taylor Johnson's. Uh, for him, it's like the only go around because he died. But uh, they give solid-ish performances. Um, it's not terrible, not not great, but uh, they get the job done uh, well enough, I think. But uh, overall, I just didn't feel like this movie, from an acting standpoint, was able to match up to what I thought the acting was in the first Avengers movie, where I just felt like everybody knocked out of the park and. You know, Sarah and I discussed how in genre films, they don't get a lot of credit when it comes to acting. You know, and I brought up the movie Hereditary. Uh, you know, whatever you thought of that movie, um, Tony Collette's performance was Oscar winning level performance. I mean, she should have been nominated for an Oscar and not that awards are the end all be all or anything. I get that. But uh, it's the kind of performance that doesn't get recognized like it probably should be. And I think in superhero movies, because it's a genre film, people look at the acting and they just they just shrug their shoulders and say whatever. Like they kind of lump it into their general idea of whether these movies are even worth their time. Like if they're huge huge fans, they might look upon the acting a little more favorably. If they see these movies and go, "Oh my god, another Avengers movie, another superhero movie. These are so terrible. I don't like them." Whatever. Like if you ask somebody what the acting is like in those movies, they would either say, "Eh, they're fine," or uh, to to Marvel movie, who, who who cares? They the actors all suck, whatever you know. So it it's kind of in line, I think, to a degree with what some people think of these movies. But when I look at them, I look at them just from the acting standpoint, and I just see everybody giving giving their all, giving their A game here. I mean, I don't think that the acting here is any any worse than if Robert Downey Jr. went over and did a drama, or Chris Evans did uh, a horror movie, or or you know a drama or whatever, like. I don't see a drop in acting quality just because we're in a superhero movie. I think that that's a ridiculous thing to say that because it's a genre film, because it's a superhero movie, that the acting in and of itself is not as good as if these actors were in a, you know, Oscar nominated, you know, uh, period piece or something, you know. So I look at the acting, I just see excellent performances. 
I don't know that they're quite up to par overall, but um, I do think that it's very good. I'm giving it an 85. Uh, nice. Yeah, I, I gave it an 85 as well. Ah, the only, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, right on par. Uh, the only thing I will say when it comes to the only th- reason why it's not higher for me really is is like we kind of touched on it a little bit was why scarlet witch and quicksilver had to have russian accents <laughs> why the like they the decision to have them have russian accents was one thing no offense to them as actors the russian accents suck <laughs> do like i they tried their best but they're just still not good like i i give them props for trying but there's a reason why especially with scarlet witch they freaking cut that out real fast um in the next one so it, it just and that definitely does kind of i like it's not it, it can't be helped but it is something to note uh for that but everyone else like you said everyone did as good a job as they really could yeah yeah i think that uh it's good acting throughout they really like i said they really bring their a game they just uh, unfortunately didn't quite hit the mark that they did in the avengers yeah as a whole um individually a lot of them are great uh all right so let's move on to directing so for me uh, again, this this falls a little short of the Avengers. Uh, I felt like the Avengers was photographed very well. Uh, I think Whedon himself is just a really good director. Um, he's got an eye for action. He knows how to to do the quiet scenes uh, very well, making them engaging just in how he's presenting them on screen. Uh, not even it's like independent of the dialogue and even what's happening. He just is able to photograph things so well and make them interesting. I don't think it's as good as Avengers, but I don't think it's a massive drop-off. I gave the Avengers a pretty high grade. Um, some probably would say I gave it a, a too high of a grade, but I felt like you know part of the reason why the first Avengers movie was so good, apart from the acting and the script and everything else, was just the fact that Whedon just knocked out of the park as a director. I mean, I know no one's no one's going to get nominated for one of these movies for a you know an Oscar for directing. I, I get that, but uh, I don't look at this movie and think, ah, inferior directing. I look at it and think, wow, you know, this guy did something fantastic and considering what he was doing and what kind of movie he's filming and how difficult it is, that's just phenomenal work. I think it's phenomenal work here too. I just don't think it's quite as high. There, There's not quite, I think, the level of polish that I think that the Avengers had just from a directing standpoint. I think he was able to do so much there. Here a little less. I'm going to give it an 85 for directing. Um, I gave a little bit lower than you. I gave a 75. Okay. Um, I, I, even though it's not by his choice, it does impact the consistency of the movie when it comes to the directing style, when you do get that studio involvement. Uh, and yeah, that it's not his fault, but it does make it a little bit harder to deal with when you do get those scenes that are, you could tell or Joss Whedon, um, like a lot of them were really good. And then there's just some stuff like one of the biggest problems I do tend to notice with Joss Whedon films is the, the humor tends to be too much mm-hmm. and it's very much noticeable in this. And it's one of the things like, whether it's from the 
script or where he's wanting the trying to direct the characters to be however you want to go about it it is something that is unfortunately tagged along with joss whedon is he is a very light-hearted director when it comes to his movies but it sometimes and it shows in this one that it's just a little too much humor to make and it doesn't really let some of the potential grow for the different characters like with ultron like he he was making jokes constantly to where he was more of a bond villain than he was an actual sentient ai that could actually end the world right uh, and it just it kind of it really shows uh like some of the scenes were very well shot that he did but it's just it's one of those things that to me it 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 wasn't a good enough balance for that and the direction he took it with the with the humor and the seriousness of it um so it, it really that kind of drug it down a little bit more for me okay all right let's move on to uh special effects so uh the special effects here again a little lower than the avengers despite the fact that this movie is only what 4 years old uh, as opposed to uh, Avengers, which is what seven? No, yes, seven years old. So the problem, I think, in part is that there are, I think, way more special effects shots in this movie. Uh, so even though you have an extra thirty million dollars onto your budget, I think that that it's not quite enough to get to the level that you wanted. There are some some shoddy special effects works work in this movie it doesn't happen often but there are occasionally a few shots there's a shot where uh thor is battling some of uh the robots and i just remember thinking even in the theater i thought eh, that doesn't look very good and then i watched it again a few weeks ago and i thought yeah that doesn't look very good it it in fact it looks worse now because it's now been a few years and i've seen it a couple of times and every time i see that that shot, it just makes me cringe a little bit. Uh, overall, I think the special effects work is really good, though. Um, I mm. think they do a good job with what they had. I just don't think it's up to the level of the Avengers, which I still think is phenomenal. And I think it's in part due to the fact that they don't have quite as many special effects shots in the Avengers as they do in this one. And that's because in the Avengers, there was a lot of portion, the portions of that movie where there's no special effects whatsoever. People sitting around talking, people getting into arguments, things like that. And there are special effects you know, throughout that movie, but it's just not quite to this level. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that's part of the problem. But overall, it's really good work. I think it still holds up. Obviously, it's only four years old. Uh, I'm going to give it an 85. Okay. Yeah, no, I, uh, I second oh, everything you said. Uh, I gave it an 87. It was very good. Okay. I, I enjoyed a lot of the special effects, like – the effects of like Scarlet Witch's powers are really cool and really unique mm-hmm. and well done. Um, and just the flying city, like that's one thing I think a lot of people don't quite get. Like, like you said, it is a lot more effects going on in this movie compared to Avengers one. So it is going to be a lot harder and a lot more money going into it. So it's going to be, them trying to figure out how to balance that and get that budget associated where and where it can 
okay, this scene is a little bit smaller. We can be a little bit more practical here, a little bit skimpier. It's not as big or so. Um, but yeah, uh, overall, I'd give an 87 because it was just still really fantastic. Okay. All right. So let's move on here. We're going to bring up uh, pacing. So uh, the pacing for this movie was uh, one of the worst parts of it, really. Um, a lot of it has to do, I think, with the bloated scenes, the stuff that just didn't have anything to do with the plot. Um, a lot of people will talk about the farm scene as slowing the movie down. I understand, and I guess I, I can agree with that. It probably does not help the pacing in this movie a lot. I still love that scene, and I love it because it's such... It's such a um, outlier in this movie, I guess, and that it's just fully dedicated towards giving these characters a respite for a minute so that they're able to talk and sometimes get into fights and get in arguments. Um, that doesn't help the pacing, though. I mean, it's one of those things where I see it as a – I can understand where it's a detriment to this movie to a certain extent, but I also love it at the same time. However, apart from that farm scene, it, I'm like – that farm scene does not help pacing wise, but that's not really the biggest issue. There's just a lot of problems with getting like the plot for this movie is just all over the place. And the fits and starts that happen throughout the, the center of this movie, there's about a 30 to 40 minute section in the center of this movie where I just, I just thought, I just, let's get a move on here. What are we doing? Come on. Like, yeah, it's just not going anywhere. It nothing was happening. Like things were happening without anything happening, and some of the stuff had nothing to do with even like saying, "Okay, we're gonna take a few minutes here to kind of let Tony and someone else get into an argument," you know, or you know, it wasn't even character work. It was just blah. It was just nothing going on. It just nothing was moving forward, or the events that were happening just didn't really seem to affect me whatsoever i was getting kind of bored it's getting a little antsy to be honest with you um when i was sitting there watching i'm just like oh, come on can we get moving please like let's go and uh, so for me pacing is not really the strong suit of this movie uh you could cut out a, a lot you could probably cut out given what was going on given what they shot i think you could probably cut out 20 to 30 minutes of this movie and it probably would have helped it out a lot, and that has nothing to do with a preconceived notion of a runtime that's needed. You can have a three-hour movie, and it's just well-paced. The problem here is that there was just a lot of extraneous fat in this movie that didn't need to be there, and uh, they could have cut this down significantly and made a better movie. And I still would have, you know, come away with the same information, basically. Oh yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and in the positioning of the farm scene, I feel like if it wasn't literally smack dab in the middle, it, it might have done a little bit better, especially considering they it was on top of the farm scene. It was basically right at the same time we're getting the Thor pool scene. We're getting the Scarlet uh, Johansson Black Widow flashback scene and, and all this extra stuff that doesn't need to be in there for this movie so it just makes it even more so like it, it seems like it's its own story to the extent that 
they just like you said that let's let's get a move on we i don't need to see tony reverse hacking to find jarvis mm-hmm. like i get jarvis is important but what um but yeah the the i wholeheartedly agree for pacing i i give a 75 it just was like you said it is definitely one of the worst things about this uh this movie okay all right so um wait, let's add up well actually rewatchability for this uh i put rewatchability here uh, oh, actually, I didn't give my grade for pacing. Pacing for me was a 73. So yours was a 75. Uh, comes out to a 74. Special effects overall was an 86. 80, 80 for directing. What, 85 for acting. 70 for script. Rewatchability for me was a 65. Um, I can sit and watch this movie, but it's not, it's not a movie that I'm going to really want to sit down and watch. Not nearly as often as a the avengers and there's just plenty of other mcu movies out there that i would rather sit down and watch over this one and it's a shame i I do enjoy certain aspects of it but at the end of the day i feel like it it suffers from so many problems that i often just find myself getting frustrated watching it knowing full well that this really should have been the equal of the avengers in terms of quality if not exceeding it and yeah. instead, we got a pale imitation. I wouldn't say a pale imitation, but definitely a lesser version of, of the Avengers. It doesn't live up to the Avengers. It doesn't, uh, from a script standpoint, it it leaves a lot to be desired at times. It's the Diet Coke of Avengers movies. That is the perfect analogy for that. It, like, is the, it, is it really Coke. is like... It's got all all of the ingredients, but there's a few things that got changed. Yeah, that yeah. it's sweet it and different. sugary, and then you find yourself with a sick stomach, uh, you know, a couple hours later. <laughs> um, 65 for me for rewatchability. Uh, what is your grade? Uh, I gave it a 75%. There are some very I, – I love the party scene yeah. with them trying to move the hammer. I could – that scene in – it's just hilarious and i will i would could watch that like crazy just because it is entertaining uh the stories that are, they tell and it whatnot it's just a lot of fun and the beginning scene is still just so much fun to watch and so awesome to watch as well so but uh there are some things that i don't that like you said irritates me to watch because it's the decisions made yeah yeah definitely that's unfortunate but it's true uh all right so adding up all the grades here uh, my overall grade comes out to an 80 it seems a little high given my complaints about the script but you know you gotta remember the the special effects uh, i felt like the, the acting the special effects and the uh directing for me at least pulled this this grade up um you know, I guess there's there's a somewhat downside to our grading system in that sometimes a script itself may not be as great, but the the grade itself gets pulled up if the other elements like the acting, the directing, and the, and the special effects end up being really good. So it seems a little high for me uh, personally when I look at that, going like, is it really worth an eighty? Probably really worth about a seventy-five, but that's what it is. Stick to it, of course. Uh, your grade was a seventy-eight, Jacob. So a seventy-nine for uh 
Age of Ultron, which is a little closer to, I think, what it probably deserves. It, it probably does deserve around a 75, maybe a 76 at, at best, but a 79 is still pretty good, a, a little more emblematic of where I feel like this is uh, personally. So Sounds good. All right, everyone. Uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, get ready for Avengers Endgame. That's going to be exciting watching that tonight. So uh, anyway, thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to the Freaking Geeks podcast. Be sure to visit FreakingGeeks.com as well as our Patreon page at Patreon.com slash FreakingGeeks for more great content. Also, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Trust us, it really helps. Now, if you'd like to write into the podcast and share your thoughts and ask questions, you can do so by sending your email to FreakingGeeksMedia at gmail.com. You can contact Michael on Twitter using at Michael underscore Lanage. You can contact Sarah on Twitter using at Labyrinth Rose or at Freak Geeks. Intro music for this episode is Danger Storm by Kevin MacLeod, which can be found at incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. Outro music is Nowhere Land by Kevin MacLeod, which can be found at incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. You can also find the attribution in the episode description as well.